Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 119. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Now, welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I have an amazing discussion with one of the top tutors from Next Step Test Prep. We have Clara with us every week now, joining us this week to start Bio Biochem from Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10. Now, over the last month or two or four, it's been a while, we've been breaking down Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10, question by question, passage by passage. Now, not every question or every passage is perfect for the podcast, and so we, we might have missed a question here or there, but this week, we are diving into bio-biochem. Last week, we finished cars, thank God. This week, we are diving in again to bio-biochem, and we're going to start with passage one. All right, Clara, back with some more MCAT prep, breaking down next step test prep, full length 10, no longer in cars, which is exciting, but... Bio biochem, <laughs> I think, brings just as many nightmares for a lot of students. So what uh, what words of wisdom do you have for the student who uh, looks at bio biochem and has a little bit of a panic attack? <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that student well. And typically what causes that panic attack is just how crazy dense some of these passages are going to look. So maybe not all of the ones that we're going to do together, but some of them might be full of acronyms and like enzyme names and different uh, proteins uh, that just seem like stuff you've never seen before. And the most important thing is to just know your content, know what you're supposed to know, and know that everything else is going to be in the passage somewhere. Oh, but passages, I relate to cars. Why do we need more passages? It's, <laughs> it's so hard. When when you're looking at a bio-biochem passage, obviously having just wrapped up cars, we're like dissecting each of the sentences and paragraphs and coming up with meanings and, and trying to read into things in some ways. When we're reading bio-biochem passages, do we have to dissect the passages as much or is this going to be kind of like a, a chem fizz where a lot of times we're just going to know the answer and you don't need the passage? So it's somewhere in between, right? Because in chem fizz, there's a lot of uh, pseudo discrete questions, which really just means you could answer it even if you never had the passage at all. Uh, and those questions exist in bio biochem. We're going to see definitely some uh, as we work through these passages, but Bio-biochem is a little bit more critical reading based, so it's a little bit more 
um, based on maybe like experiments or um, they might like detail a process or something like that where you really do need to understand what you read. You really do need to understand the steps of what's going on in this um, signal transduction pathway or something like that. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in. So passage one, uh, we've we've shortened it up a little bit to make it a little bit more podcast friendly. Uh, passage one covers questions one through four. We're skipping question one and just doing two through four. So why don't you go ahead and, and read us passage one? I'd love to. Passage one. Bipolar disorder is characterized by periods of both mania and depression, and researchers are considering both melatonin therapy and aerobic exercise as treatments for the manic phase of the disease. Mishkin mice, M+, plus, that's their genotype, are heterozygous for an autosomal missense mutation in the A3, or alpha-3, I think that is, isotype of the neuronal sodium-potassium pump and serve as a model for the manic behaviors typical of bipolar disorder. Researchers divided a group of wild-type, WT, and Mishkin, MYK, mice into several cohorts and assessed the effects of melatonin treatment and voluntary exercise, which was unlimited running wheel access. (laughs) The eff- <laughs> right, can you imagine? <laughs> that that visual just throws me off. <laughs> Running all day. Uh-huh. Um, the, the effects of both treatments on manic behaviors were assessed, along with the effect of melatonin on sleep and that of voluntary exercise on brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF, levels in the hippocampus. Right, that's it. Hmm, okay. Why don't you go ahead and read question two. Sure. Uh, And I will note, too, so we don't see any experimental results or anything here. Um, Typically, you will see, say, a figure or something like that in a bio-biochem passage, sometimes more than one or even like two or three figures. Uh, But sometimes you'll have to really infer what these results might have been. So we have to be prepared for that, too. Okay. Um, Yeah. So question two, which of the following could be the mutation seen in Mishkin mice? A. GUU mutated to UAA, B, UAU mutated to UAG, C, GUU mutated to GAU, or D, UUU mutated to UGA? Um, awesome. So my assumption is just looking at this question is that... Um, the mutation goes back to it's saying it's a missense mutation. And so all we really need to do is understand what a missense mutation is and pick out which one of these is a missense mutation. Am I, am I close there? You're exactly on the right track. Okay. So missense mutation, if I somewhat remember correctly, is just a random, like one single problem one one single nucleotide um is is wrong that's a point mutation so point mutations can be missense mutations but a point mutation is one with one nucleotide changed um a missense mutation is actually uh a mutation of one amino acid into a different amino acid not to give away not to give anything away i think it's still a, a tough question Oh, okay. So, so a missense is is where there's that single nucleotide is changed, but the way it's changed is it's coding for a different amino acid. 
Yes. Aha. Okay. So then we have to look through here and see which one of these has a single change and then which one of those is actually a different amino acid that it's coding for. That is a good way to approach this. <laughs> okay. All right. So so A is G-U-U to U-A-A. And so that one would tell me there's multiple changes. So that can't be it. Um, potentially, right? Maybe. Um, Let's get rid of that one. D is similar. U-U-U to U-G-A. So multiple changes. So that can't be it. And then B and C both have single U single. Uh, point um, mutations where it's UAU to UAG. So that last nucleotide is changed from a U to a G. And then C is GUU to GAU. So that middle nucleotide is changed from a U to an A. And so the question is, which one is coding for a completely different amino acid? And I don't remember my amino acids, especially uh, my three-letter amino acids. Um, so I, I would guess UAG looks familiar. So I would, um, I don't know. I, I I'd go with UAG. <laughs> I think it looking familiar actually hurt you with this <laughs> one. Um, so this is interesting, right? Because, um, it's important to know that for the MCAT, you don't need to know which exact three letter abbreviations here correspond to, um, which amino acid, right? Because these aren't the amino acid three-letter abbreviations. Like these aren't like TRP is tryptophan or like SER is serine. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, these are actually the mRNA codon sequences that correspond to those amino acids. And we don't need to memorize all of those, fortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that, that should save you some time. Um, now, what you should know, though, are the codon sequences for the three stop codons. Mm. Yeah, and actually, do you do you remember any of the stop codons? No, <laughs> that would help here because uh, <laughs> actually they are UAA, UAG, and UGA. Okay. So um, there's a good abbreviation for that that we use sometimes. It's like um, you get away, you are away, you are gone. Basically, mm, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a classic. Um, so here, actually, we can see a really easy way to solve this question is just if we know that, which is a really crucial piece of information, we can say, okay, A, B, and D are all mutations to stop codons, and a mutation to form a stop codon is actually called a nonsense mutation. Mm -hmm. So those are all nonsense mutations. The only one that is not a nonsense mutation is C. So C has to be our answer because nonsense mutations are not missense mutations. Interesting. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. And so that's why you said looking familiar is what hurt me here because UAG <laughs> as a stop codon, stop codon is what was likely um, familiar to me and, and caused me to guess wrong. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So C, G-U-U to G-A-U because that's missense and not nonsense. Exactly. And we couldn't have possibly known for sure it was a missense, right? Like we can't possibly know, oh, GAU is a different amino acid than GUU, although mm. it most likely is. Um, but we know that A, B, and D have to be wrong. Interesting. Okay. All right. right. Question three. A male Michigan mouse is crossed with a wild type female mouse. What proportion of the male offspring would be expected to show the Michigan behavior pattern oh so now we're getting into 
uh, what do you call these pundit square things? Pundit uh, squares. Yeah. Um, so wild type Michigan mice. I'm I'm glancing back at the passage to see. Um, oh, so it's a heterozygous. It's an autosomal uh, missense mutation. But does it, oh man, this is so long ago for me. So I'm thinking like, <laughs> where does it say dominant, recessive, uh, unless I'm missing it somewhere. Uh, Doesn't seem to say. Yeah, so I'm gonna go, I don't remember. Um, so Michigan mice, they're M plus heterozygous um, versus wild type. Oh man. I don't know how to do this without knowing, like, is it recessive? Is it dominant, et cetera? What, what, am I, what should I be looking for? <laughs> yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, I think a lot of students get caught up in that. Um, but actually, we don't even need to know um, anything about dominant versus recessive because we actually know what exact genotype we're looking for, right? So usually we might know, oh, a certain allele is dominant versus, oh, a certain allele is recessive, and we need to use that to figure out the genotype we want. Uh, but here, actually, we know, okay, we're looking for M slash plus, which is how um, they refer to it in the passage. So we're looking for an M on one allele, essentially, and then the other allele is a plus allele for that genotype. So we can actually do a little Punnett square, right, where we say, okay, Mishkin is M plus, that goes on one side of the Punnett square. Uh, and then it's getting crossed with wild type, right? So wild type would actually be a, um, a genotype of plus plus. Mm, how are we and, supposed to do that? <laughs> we should. So that's, that's a really interesting question, right? Because there are certain pieces of information about mutations and about genetics that the MCAT just does expect you to know. Um, and so these actually relate to like um, genotype notations or like mutation notations. And one of these pieces of information is just that plus is typically going to denote. Um, so plus slash plus here is typically going to denote wild type um, just in general. And then M must stand for Mishkin essentially. So a Mishkin genotype must be an M for Mishkin and then plus, whereas wild type wouldn't be Mishkin. It would just be wild type. So it would be plus on both um, copies of that chromosome. Okay. So, <laughs> so then if we goal. if we fill out M plus and plus plus in our little Punnett square, then we're left with M plus in top left, uh, plus plus in top right, M plus in bottom left, and plus plus. So it'd be 50% would be M plus. So A. It is. It is A. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, it's a little weird. You end up like looking around for some other information or something. But I say I always recommend uh, if you think if you just can't find that piece of information, just start trying to make a Punnett square, start trying to make sense of it. And actually, um, even if we thought that wild type was MM, <laughs> uh, if we did our little Punnett square, we would actually get the same answer. So oh. might as well give it a try. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Very cool. All right. I'm just impressed that I remembered Punnett Square and all that fun stuff. So. Oh, same. <laughs> um, all right. Go ahead and read question four. All right. Question four. BDNF is a plasma-soluble protein secreted after being manufactured in the endoplasmic reticulum. BD BDNF most likely 
A diffuses through the plasma membrane of target cells and, after binding to its receptor, acts directly on euchromatin to regulate transcription. B frequently serves as a target in autoimmune diseases due to its close contact with dissolved immunoglobulins. C contains external domains especially rich in V, W, and G residues. And D has its effect through binding receptors on the external leaf of the plasma membrane. All right. Uh, Give it a try. Yeah. Um, So BDNF, just going back to the passage, um, just says it's made in the hippocampus, but that doesn't really tell us anything. So I think this is one of those pseudo-discretes. It's just saying plasma-soluble protein secreted after being manufactured. So it's manufactured inside the cell, the endoplasmic reticulum. Um, so it diffuses through the plasma membrane of target cells, through the target cells, and after binding to its receptor, acts directly on euchromatin to regulate transcription. Uh, I don't know. Uh, frequently serves as a target <laughs> in autoimmune diseases due to its close contact with dissolved immunoglobulins. Um, so it's plasma-soluble. Um, so dissolved immunoglobulins, maybe, I think that may be um, something. Uh, <laughs> contains external domains, V, W, and G residues. I have no idea what that means. And has its effect through binding receptors on the external leaf of the plasma membrane. Um, so A and D kind of look the same to me, right? I, I think... Oh. What about those? Because A is saying that it's going out of the cell and then binds to a receptor, which I'm assuming is on the external part of a plasma membrane. Uh, And so D is just saying the same thing, just more generically. I don't know if that's wrong. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm wrong. Uh, Yeah, so I, I have no idea where this one's going. But if I were to think through this, so so... In my mind, A and D look the same to me. Um, I'm, I'm assuming I'm reading that wrong. And I have no idea what C means, so I would pick B. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is not B. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, but I'm really glad you brought up that uh, A versus D distinction because uh, they do kind of look similar, right? It's like they both have plasma membrane. They both talk about binding the receptor, so they kind of just seem like different versions of the same thing. And if they are, then we can eliminate both. Mm-hmm. But uh, they actually are very different because A says it diffuses through the plasma membrane. So if it diffuses through the plasma membrane, that means it actually doesn't bind to its receptor on the outside of the plasma membrane. Uh, it actually diffuses through the plasma membrane first. And then receptors can be in, um, inside the cell. Right, receptors aren't always on the surface of the cell. Mm. So A is actually really classic of steroid hormones because steroid hormones are nonpolar, so they can diffuse really nicely through the nonpolar lipid bilayer. But then once they get inside the cell, they need to bind to their receptor essentially to um, get carried to the nucleus and then act as um, regulators of transcription. So A is really similar to a steroid hormone, but steroid hormones are nonpolar 
And they tell us in the question that BDNF is plasma soluble. So it's probably polar because the plasma is really watery. So it's super polar. Okay. So A, we can get rid of it for that reason. Okay. Yeah. And then we're left with D, which you probably guessed is the right answer. Sure. <laughs> By now. <laughs> By yeah. now Let's least. say I guess that is the right answer. That was my backup. <laughs> yeah. All right. So D is um, has its effect through binding receptors on the external leaf of the plasma membrane so that now we know, okay, D is not talking about diffusing straight through the membrane. Uh, D is talking about binding receptors on the outside of the membrane, and that's something a polar substance would do. This plasma-soluble protein would do that because it's plasma-soluble, it's polar, it can't diffuse through the nonpolar membrane, so it needs to bind to the outside of it. All righty. So that's that. Uh, C, by the way, the reason it looked so unfamiliar to you is because those are amino acid abbreviations. So um, okay. V is valine, uh, W is tryptophan, and G is glycine. Thank you for that um, <laughs> little lesson on amino acids. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it just it it brings up another important reminder, right, of going back to question two where it was talking about this missense mutations and potential amino acid knowledge. And this one with VW and G and amino acid knowledge, like you have to know your amino acids. Amino acids are huge. Probably like the single most important thing to know for the MCAT. Figuratively, not literally. They're very tiny. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so there you have it. Bio-biochem, the start of bio-biochem. What's your favorite? Chemistry? Chemphys, biobiochem, cars, or or psychosis, which we haven't gotten to yet. I'd love to hear from you. Go on to social media. Uh, I'm at Medical School HQ on Twitter, on Instagram, or you can go into our Hangout, our private Facebook group at MedicalSchoolHQ.net/group, and let me know what is your favorite section, or what do you think will be your favorite section on the MCAT. If you are just starting your MCAT prep, go check out next step test prep and everything that they have to offer they have tutoring they have an mcat course they have full-length exams they have books they have q banks they have it all and you can save on all of it by using the promo code mcat pod that's all capital letters m-c-a-t-p-o-d hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here for some more bio biochem next week <laughs>